this is Brother Mouse. I'm back with a second uh, show for Hacker Public Radio. And this one is about hacking your suburban backyard with chickens. Now that might not seem uh, to be a normal topic for uh, hacker types, but I'd like to make the case that chickens are some kind of biological glue code that holds together uh, and improves the other processes that are already happening in your backyard. To start out, let's uh, make a brief run at some of the um, benefits that you can get from having chickens running around in your backyard. Let's address first uh, the thing that comes to most people's mind, which is egg production. Um, yes, uh, uh, your birds will lay eggs in the backyard, and you can pick them up every day and, and take them in and eat them or give them away or whatever you want to, to do with them. Um, for me, the eggs are a nice side benefit. I enjoy them. I had a hard-boiled egg this morning for breakfast. Um, sometimes when I go to work, I take an egg sandwich. And of course, I bake uh, with the eggs that come from the, the birds also. Um, I would say you're not going to save any money um, having chickens to lay eggs. You might save money if you were buying, you know, organic free-range chicken eggs at Whole Foods or something like that. I mean, it might be cheaper than that, but in general, you're not going to save a lot of money with eggs. Um, the benefit is you know where the eggs came from, you know, particularly with things like the recent salmonella scare and things like that. Uh, you know the conditions that your birds are in. You know exactly how the egg was treated from the time it came out of the chicken's body and into your pan and into your own body, so you have full control over that. And uh, the last bit is uh, is about the treatment of the birds themselves. I mean, I'm not a big, you know, tree hugger or bunny hugger or anything like that. But um, after you've seen how uh, happy chickens appear to be running around the backyard, it's hard to get um, fired up and and optimistic about the lives that those battery hens have when they're in the little cages. So while they're running around the backyard, they are constantly eating bugs and weeds and little bits of anything out of the yard. I mean, they'll just spend 90% of their day walking around and scratching the ground and, and uh, pecking bugs out of the yard and, and eating them. Um, don't be alarmed if you see them eating small rocks. Um, you may have noticed that chickens have no teeth. and uh, they store rocks in their gizzard, and that's how they effectively chew their food. So, If you've ever uh, gone to a chicken joint and bought some fried gizzards, and you notice that they're kind of butterflied, um, the reason they're butterflied is that they have to cut the gizzard open at the factory um, and get the rocks out. They have to de-rock the chicken. So. Next benefit is that chickens will mow your grass. Now, this isn't immediately obvious to most people, but chickens will walk around and snip the top off of the grass blades. Um, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, chicken tractors. And uh, my wife and I move our chicken tractor every few days because the chickens will, will chew the grass down to cut level, and then we'll move them and let them eat other grass, get some fresh grass in them. 
if you have any areas of just plain dirt, like you have a garden or whatever, that the birds will get in there and they will prefer to scratch around in that dirt. And they're effectively tilling your garden for free. So uh, not only are they debugging it, but they're also tilling up your garden. Got a couple more benefits I'll share with you. Uh, the next one is something you might not think of a benefit, but they generate really high-quality manure to go in your compost pile. Uh, it's probably the best source of nitrogen that you could put in your compost pile. It really supercharges the, the, the compost, which will you can turn uh, back to your garden. In the summer, uh, well, everything but winter, I uh, put uh, chicken poop in the compost. I move their bedding out and scrape it up uh, off of whatever and throw it in the compost pile and uh, you know rotate as normal. In the winter, when there's no plants in my garden, because they all froze, um, I move the chicken tractor um, directly over the garden area and the birds can poop directly into the garden and it'll have time to break down and, and not be so hot, as they say, by springtime. And the last thing here I'm going to mention as one of a, a chicken benefit is that they're just funny. Um, they're just funny little creatures. It's it's just like having little fluffy velociraptor things running around in the backyard. Um, their mannerisms are funny. The, uh, they have personal traits, um, personalities, if you will. Uh, even if they looked exactly the same, if they all had the same markings, you could still tell the birds apart because they just behave differently. Um, they're, they're just amusing to watch. Um, there's a term for this, and it's called chicken TV. And uh, it's a it's a thing where people, rather than watching, you know, HBO or whatever, will just go out and sit in the uh, in the backyard with their wives or kids or husbands or whatever, and and just watch the chickens dig and scratch in the dirt. It's very relaxing and and funny. Uh, to be balanced, I should talk about um, some real or imagined drawbacks of having chickens in your backyard. The first one that comes to mind, and I would say that almost everyone I talk to about chickens uh, brings this up immediately, which is, is that legal? And the answer is usually yes. Most places you can have chickens in your suburban yard, um, but there are places with laws against it. I will put in the show notes a link to where you can go check and see whether or not birds are allowed in your city. For cities that do have laws regarding chickens, the most common rule is no roosters. Roosters make a lot of noise um, early in the morning, and most people don't like that. Um, and you don't need them to get eggs. I mean, the, the bird is going to ovulate and lay her egg, you know, every 25 hours or so, and um, and the rooster being there or not isn't going to make a difference. Um, the only difference it would make is that uh, egg would be fertilized if the rooster was uh, Johnny on the spot. Um, but since you're probably not growing chickens to breed, then that's not really an issue for for you. So Some locations have rules about how far away from buildings the chicken dwellings have to be in, and uh, you know, 50 feet away from a house or from a fence or whatever. And, um, and so that'll be another benefit of using what's called a chicken tractor that we'll talk about a little bit later. I know I've mentioned it before. The next uh, drawback or misconception that I'll uh, bring up is the level of noise that hens make. Um, hens are generally pretty quiet. Um, even the chicks are pretty quiet. They make peeping sounds, and that's why they call them peepers. So they kind of go peep, 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 cheep, 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 like that until they get, you know, 
several weeks old, and then they start to their voices change and they start to sound like chickens. Uh, the hens tend to be fairly quiet. They kind of talk amongst themselves while they're out and about eating bugs and things like that. And I'll stop here for just a second and um, and throw in a few seconds of sound clips of a of the chickens just eating. case the mic was close enough to the chickens that you could actually hear them picking up the individual uh, seeds and things like that that they were eating. So that gives you an idea for the level of volume there. Um, they can make noise. Um, the traditional time that hens make more noise is after they lay an egg. It's called the egg song and uh, it normally lasts about 60 seconds and that's normally when you would hear your chickens. Uh, or more importantly, your neighbors might hear your chickens, but um, they, you know, it's it's the kind of stereotypical chicken sound where they, you know, bark, bark, that kind of thing. So, um, uh, if you anger a chicken, you can also get some sounds out of it, and those sounds are very dinosaur-like. Um, I'm going to put in a little clip here of a chicken from this morning. I went out to, um, I I opened up the egg door to. Uh, to get the eggs out, and there was a chicken still sitting on. She was in the middle of laying, and and she was not happy that I had opened the door, and so um, she made uh, this sound. And that sounds just like a dinosaur to me. I don't know about you, but uh, but at any rate, uh, it wasn't loud. Uh, if you weren't standing right there, you wouldn't have heard it. But uh, but that's another sound that chickens can make. Uh, chickens can eat part of your garden. Um, usually they only eat the shoots so that if you keep them out of the garden until you know the plants are a foot tall or whatever then normally they won't destroy what's left although it's up to your chickens I mean they could they could be garden destroyers or not it just depends on the batches you've got. Uh, mine are, are fairly typical in that they will only, you know, pick at something that's an inch or two tall, and if it's bigger than that, they won't peck at it unless it's got a bug on it. If it's got a bug on it, they'll actually eat caterpillars and stuff off of, you know, your tomato vine. The next thing that people think about chickens is that they smell bad, um, which is not true. Um, chickens have a smell. Uh, they smell like chickens, just like your dog smells like a dog, or your cat smells like a cat. But, you know, if you're taking care of the animal and taking care of the litter box, you know, they don't have an egregious smell. Uh, same with with chickens. Um, the sharp ammonia smell that people associate with chicken coops is just bad hygiene. Um, that's just a situation where the chicken or the person is not cleaning out the coop. Um, and it's building up, you know, big piles of what, you know, like bat guano. Uh, type of deal, and it starts to break down and into ammonia. Whereas, you know, uh, normally what you do is once a week or however often you go out there and and uh, remove any excess and throw it in your compost bin and uh, do that kind of thing keeps it from building up. So another benefit of having a chicken tractor that we'll talk about in a little bit is that you're continually moving it. So even if there is some that gets down on the ground, um, it's being evenly distributed across your yard.
Okay, let's talk about chicken housing uh, for a little bit. I'm going to start with the chicken housing instead of um, the birds themselves because um, right now, if you're, if, uh, if you're listening to this near the time I recorded it, it's still winter and uh, this would be a perfect time to start building some chicken housing so that by the time spring rolls around, you've got the kinks worked out and, and you're not running around in a panic uh, trying to find a place to put your chickens. So a couple of different... Uh, main ways of, of housing your chickens. The first traditional way is the chicken coop. The chicken coop is usually a large um, shed sized object, um, usually big enough for you to walk in. The benefits of that design would be, first of all, that you can walk into it. I mean, you can walk in there and, and uh, grab the eggs. Uh, uh, you can sit with the chickens if you wanted, that kind of thing, uh, indoors. The downside is that it usually requires more scrap lumber to make just because it's bigger. Um, it may be so big that it can be visible over your fence and, you know, maybe someone from the city says you have to have a permit to build a building or something. Um, another downside is that it's in one place all the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, if if the city comes by and says, well, you need to be 75 feet away from a fence line, now you've got this, you know, structure that you've built and you may or may not be able to move it easily. Also, you know, all the manure and everything is happening in one place, so it, it may be a little bit uh, tougher to, to keep clean and, and, and spiffy smelling. The other way to approach this, and, it, and it's gaining um, more popularity in the last few years, is what's called a chicken tractor. And it's basically as much smaller than a coop. Um, and it tends to be portable by either one or two people. If it's portable by two people, it has handles coming out of both sides so that you and your partner uh, will you know, go out every few days and pick it up by the handles and just move over a few feet and set it back down. The other version that's operable by one person normally has handles on one end and wheels on the other, like a wheelbarrow kind of, and you can pick it up and roll it to the new location and, and set it down. Uh, and that means that, you know, the chickens are over fresh grass, fresh ground all the time, and any, um, you know, poop that comes off the roost or whatever and lands on the ground is being evenly distributed around your yard. Uh, you may not be able to pick it all up, and so it just kind of evenly fertilizes your yard. Um, the tractors, um, most of them are little either square or A-frames, and the chickens will normally live upstairs. And there'll be like a open air uh, chicken-wired area downstairs where they can run around um, on the bottom. Uh, and then normally, chicken tractors are relatively small, so you let the birds out to free range at least part of the day. Um, in the beginning, we let our birds free range about an hour a day. And now, I would say, they're out most of the day. Um, right inside your chicken tractor, uh, you'll have um, feeding and watering um, containers. And uh, for our little micro flock like we're talking about, you know, you can probably get by with a gallon waterer and a gallon feeder. Uh, and they, you know, eat Purina chicken chow or what have you. And just um, your local feed store or tractor supply will have chicken feed you can put in there, no big deal. Alright, so let's say that um, that across the winter you've been putting putting together scrap that you've seen beside the road and whatever kind of stuff you can get free and donated and you've started putting your coop or chicken tractor together. 
And by the way, I, I spent about $20 on mine. Um, I had to buy the hinge hardware um, to, for my doors. There's two different doors on mine. And I bought um, chicken wire staples. They look like you know, big fencing staples, and also the actual chicken wire itself, so uh, about 20 bucks, maybe. But let's say that it's springtime, and you've got a little uh, scrappy uh, uh, chicken coop or tractor set up, and you're ready for some birds. Let's talk about how um, how you might get your birds. Um, there's three different ages of birds that you will normally find for sale. The first and most common is chicks. In other words, they're one or two days old. Chickens are uh, precocial birds, which is to say that they're not fed by their parents. I mean, they come out of the out of the egg, and for the first day or so, they live on the remnants of the of the uh, yolk sac. Um, but then after that, they just start walking around, eating things off the ground. So um, they don't require the presence of a mother in, in any normal sense. Um, you will have to regulate their heat. And we'll talk about that in just a second. A couple of common places to find baby chicks. Um, you might find them at a, um, a flea market, uh, at uh, feed stores. Traditionally in the spring, we'll have big boxes full of little chicks running around peeping. And you can pick out your favorites and take them home. Uh, you can buy them from a hatchery. The hatcheries, believe it or not, male, first class male, um, boxes of chicks places and normally since it's being done in the cooler spring uh, normally they uh, pack you know 20 24 little chicks together in a box and ship them to you that way um, normally 20 birds is too many for one person so sometimes people will get together and you know two or three of them will split up a box of uh, baby chicks and and uh, and share the cost and the postage that way. Um, remember that they don't eat anything for the for a while after they hatch because they're still living on stored food. So that's why it's not uh, why they're not starving or anything inside of the box while they get shipped to you. When you do get baby chicks, they'll either be called sexed or straight run. Sexed means that they have been to the best of someone's ability. Uh, sorted by gender. Um, it's really hard to do. Uh, chickens don't have genitalia in any normal sense of the word. Um, so uh, the, the the people at the hatcheries and, and places like that are, are fairly skilled and they can get it about 90% correct. So you can expect that you'll be getting about 90% females and some accidents. Um, that you'll have to figure out what to do with. You might uh, name him Stu and eat him later on when he grows up and starts to crow. Or, uh, you know, if you live um, off off on your own somewhere and there's no neighbors around, maybe you can have a rooster or you can donate him on Craigslist, what have you. Straight-run chicks um, are basically just hatched chicks and that they have not made an attempt to sex them. Um, so those are going to be 50-50 uh, females and males. Um, for most people, that's not a uh, successful way to go because you have to deal with getting rid of a whole bunch of roosters um, at some point. Now, there is an interesting hack in that some baby chicks have markings or colors that have been bred into them based on their 
on their chromosomes so that uh, male chicks and female chicks physically look different. In other words, one of them might be black and one of them is yellow. Or in one case, it has a spot on its head and the other one does not. And so in those cases, if you buy females, you can be assured that you're getting females because the males just look different. There's so let's say you want to go the day-old chick route and pick them up from the local uh, feed store. Um, before you bring them home, I would say a day or two before, uh, you'll need to put together a brooder. Um, a brooder, basically, you've heard the term that a hen goes broody or a hen broods. And it means basically to sit on, to spread her wings out, and just keep baby chicks warm. So although the chicks don't need food from the hen, they do need heat. Um, and so a lot of times what people will do is use like a giant uh, Rubbermaid bin, a pretty big one, not a small one, but I mean like a pretty big one, a few feet long, um, and uh, put some bedding in the bottom of it and then hang a drop light over it and uh, on one end. And the drop light provides heat for the animals. And depending on how old they are, they'll you know maybe start off at 95 degrees or whatever. And, uh, and as they get older, they require less and less external heat. One of the neat things about raising the day-old chicks is that they will self-regulate their distance from the heat source to keep themselves comfortable. So for example, if they are cold, they'll walk closer to the heat source and lay down to sleep. And if they're too hot, they'll get up and they'll walk away. So they tend to distribute themselves around the heat source in this kind of um, chicken histogram um, so you can just look down and see the data on who's cold and hot based on their position away from the heat source. It's really pretty funny. While they're inside the brooder, um, you'll traditionally use some little chick feeders, and they just screw on adapters that go on the bottom of a mason jar. Little chicks eat starter crumbles, and it's, uh, it's a similar makeup, although different in protein and things like that, uh, similar to what the older chickens eat but um, it's not in big pellets. That would be too big for them. It kind of looks like grape nuts sized, maybe. And that's what the little chicks eat out of the uh, little adapters that fit on the mason jars. No big, no big deal. Just change that out once a day. At some point, they'll become big enough to take out of the, um, out of the brooder and be on their own out there in your chicken coop or chicken tractor. And you'll know when that time comes because you'll be sick of having them inside and listening to them peep and having to you know, uh, change their bedding out all the time, and, you know, they started to learn how to fly, and you open the top up, and they go flying around the room or whatever, so. After the uh, chicks are big enough to be out with a brooder, but before they hit point of lay, and point of lay means the time when they start laying eggs, um, they're called pullets, P-U-L-L-E-T-S. So uh, the pullets will be outdoors, and they will... Um, as they get closer and closer to point of lay, they will start eating um, actual laying feed. Um, I feed my birds Purina. It's called Layena, L-A-Y-E-N-A. Um, but they eat other stuff as well. They don't really care. And of course, they eat bugs out of the yard as well. Now, you can actually buy pullets. So if you're looking for some uh, young birds that are almost ready to lay, you can look in the one ads under pullet um, of whatever breed you want 
and you can buy them. Now they cost more than the chicks. The chicks are like two or three bucks a piece, maybe, um, and the pullets are maybe ten, fifteen bucks. I'm just guessing here, um, but they'll be ready to lay shortly, and you don't actually have to wait, you know, four or five months for them to lay. Another benefit of buying a pullet is that you can know that it's not a rooster, or you can be pretty dang sure that it's not a rooster, because normally by the time they're that old, a rooster would have started to crow, and would also start having uh, the sexual, uh, sec secondary sexual characteristics of a rooster, the kind of um, the pretty feathers on the rear, and, and um, saddle feathers, and a, and a much larger comb, usually in wattles, than the hens. You can also buy a laying hen. Um, once the pullet starts to lay eggs, she becomes a hen. So you can actually buy hens as well. Normally I would search for laying hens. Um, although it's kind of a strange situation because normally people don't sell productive hens. In other words, unless they're getting out of the backyard chicken business um, or just ended up with too many or have one that the other ones don't like, um, most people don't give up an egg-producing hen, so just keep that in mind. Now, there are places, uh, particularly in England, I think, where people do a lot of battery hen rescue. In other words, after the hens uh, start to slow down at the end of two years or whatever, then they're normally um, slaughtered by uh, the big egg companies. But uh, in, in England, a lot of people rescue them. It's called battery hen rescue. Now, there is one other option for getting hold of chickens, but it's not for beginners, and that would be to buy fertilized eggs. Um, but you would have to have, it requires some more advanced um, techniques. You would have to have an uh, incubator and you know, turn the eggs and, and all that kind of thing. And so it's probably more than what a brand new chickener would want to get involved with, but that is a possibility, and there are people who do it that way. I would say that the eggs themselves that have not hatched are maybe a buck a piece. All right, so now we've got our coop built and we've um, decided what age of chickens we want to get. The next and perhaps the most difficult decision is the breed that you want. Um, before we start talking about specific breeds, I'll say that there are general categories that the birds fall into. Um, the first category would be egg-producing birds. Um, I don't mean just that they lay eggs, because all chickens will lay eggs. That's how chickens get more chickens. But that breeds that have been bred for years for their egg production will produce more eggs, bigger eggs, and more consistently. Um, a example of this kind of bird would be a leghorn. Um, if you look at it in writing, it looks like leghorn, but chicken people say leghorn. That kind of chicken is renowned for just pumping out eggs like pretty much one a day. There, There is a downside to some of those birds in that it is, that leghorns in particular, and some of the other egg-producing birds tend to be flighty is the word, and it means kind of noisy, skittish, and they can actually fly. So they could like leave your area and be gone. So unless you had a big enclosed coop, you might have a problem with those. And they may be loud enough that your neighbors would um, complain. 
next kind of bird is a meat bird. Um, most backyard people don't do chickens for meat um, just because they don't want to get into the slaughter business. Um, I would warn you that unless you are trying to get a bird for meat, to not buy a meat bird because they're bred specially to put on weight really fast. They're like slaughtered at five weeks. Um, and they, they're not built to live a long time. So if you get one and you raise it to a year old, its body will start breaking down just from the weight of itself, it's just all the, the meat on the bird. They're not designed to live to, to maturity. Now, the quintessential American birds are a combination of these two. In other words, birds that have been bred to be all around useful for both eggs and meat. And these are called dual-purpose birds. And if you were to ever look at an old print and an old magazine or a poster and it showed pictures of chickens, you're looking at a dual-purpose breed. These are the famous ones, uh, famous American birds, like Rhode Island Red, the the rock varieties like Plymouth Rock, the Bard Rock is really, really uh, common. Is the kind of uh, black and white chicken that you you would immediately recognize. The Rhode Island Red is a big red, orangey red chicken that you would immediately recognize. Recognize um, other good dual purpose birds would be the uh, Orpingtons, the Australorp, which is an Australian version of an Orpington, a Delaware. Uh, New Hampshire Red. There's a bunch of them, but basically they're they are good at laying eggs. They do about one a day, but they're also a heavier-bodied bird, or what's called LF large fowl, heavy-body bird. Uh, they may weigh several pounds, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine pounds, um, and that tends to make them more docile. They can't. Well, I won't say can't, but it's very unlikely that they're going to be able to jump up and fly over your fence um, big enough to where a hawk probably wouldn't be able to take one away. So The downside is if you get a really heavy bird like a Jersey Giant or one of the giant um, Orpingtons, um, you need to be careful about like where the roost is so that they don't jump down and hurt their feet or legs just because they're kind of heavy. The last uh, group grouping here of birds is I want to call the ornamental birds, and these are birds that are selected mainly to be yard art because they're interesting to look at or they have some kind of interesting feature. Um, some of them are genetic mutations like the silkies and frizzies that have um, either very fine or curly feathers, uh, or, or the silkies actually have kind of hair. It looks like they're furry. Um, bantams are very small versions of chickens. Um, the Brahmas or Brahmas have feathers on their feet. Um, the Polish birds have feathers on top of their head. Um, they're mainly to look at. Um, in general, uh, birds, the fancier the bird, the less egg production you'll get because they were bred for this specific aesthetic look and not for egg production. So. I have four birds in my microflock. Two of them are dual-purpose Rhode Island Reds, and they lay brown eggs, about one a day. Um, and the size on those are usually between USDA large and USDA extra large. Um, I would say normally large. The other two birds are Easter Eggers, and in theory, these were Americanas. 
that did not meet breed standard. In other words, there was something, some reason why they were disqualified, and so the hatcheries usually just sell them as Easter eggers, so-called because they lay colored eggs. One of them lays a, a kind of a robin's egg blue egg, and the other one lays kind of a olive green slash light blue um, egg. Most of those out of the Easter eggers are medium-sized, USDA medium uh, eggs, and I probably get four or five a week out of each one of those birds. I'm going to put a link up to a chicken selector tool, which you can use to help uh, pick a chicken breed. It's kind of like picking a Linux distro based on you know what you need. Uh, but I'll put a link to that, and you can have some fun with that and see the different kinds of breeds that are out there. And before I sign off today, I'd like to invoke the words of Douglas Adams and say, don't panic. There's a couple of chicken behaviors that are strange and tend to freak out first-timers, and I want to give you a heads up before you see these behaviors. The first one is uh, the chickens, um, we talked earlier about them having gizzards and stones in their gizzards. Before the food gets to their gizzard, in other words, they eat it through their beak, goes down their throat, and it gets stored in a pouch called a crop, and it's on the right-hand side of their neck, um, basically where the neck joins, kind of where it joins the body. And the crop uh, basically holds all the food that they've eaten, lets it uh, soften with saliva and juices and somatic juices before it goes to the gizzard. And um, this is where they store their food before they digest it. And so it can be a lump. Um, you know, if they're really crammed full, it might look like there's a you know, small, maybe like a size of a billiard ball, you know, on the side of their neck because they, not the side, but kind of the front side. Um, because all their food is jammed in there. Um, and in fact, that's one way to tell whether or not your chicken is eating well is that you pick it up and you can touch it on the side of the neck and you can feel the size and the hardness of the crop. So if you see your chicken and it has what it looks like a big tumor on one side of his neck, it just ate a big meal and it's just full of food, kind of like a chicken that's eaten an egg or, uh, excuse me, kind of like a snake that's just eaten an egg and you can see the big lump in the snake. Same kind of thing happens with the chicken. The next thing I wanted to warn you about is that chickens like to uh, sun themselves and take dust baths. And so the first time you see this, you're going to think that either your chicken is dead uh, because it's laying on its side with its wings out and its feet sprawled out like it's crazy, or it, you may think that it's having a seizure because it's spazzing out and flapping its wings a little and its feet are kicking and its eyes are closed and its head's on the ground. And it's just playing in the dirt and, you know, dusting itself for evolutionary purposes. It's just it's just what they do. So the first time you see it and you think it's dead or having a seizure, don't worry. They're just sunbathing or dusting themselves. And the last thing I'll point out is that the term pecking order comes from chickens, and chickens tend to enforce a social order amongst themselves. Um, happy, healthy chickens have a hierarchy, and uh, although they're not cruel to each other, um, if one gets in front of the other at the feeder, um, it can peck at the other's feathers or something. Now, if they're pulling out lots of feathers or they're causing each other to bleed, then you probably have some other problems to, that you might want to deal with, um, but a normal amount of kind of lightweight bullying is just the way chickens do things. It's like the pack order and a bunch of dogs or anything else. Everyone knows their place.
Well, if you have listened this far, either you have uh, fallen asleep with your headphones on, or uh, maybe you are interested in, in having your own little micro flock and being a backyard suburban uh, chicken rancher. So I'll put a couple of other links in the show notes so that you can see some websites like backyardchicken.com. I think that the uh, idea of having backyard birds is a good one, and I think that uh, we would be better off as a country and, and as a planet if, uh, if everybody had a few birds in their backyard running around. So I appreciate you listening. Seacrest out. No, I mean uh, Brother Mouse out. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.